0: The Old Testament reading for this, the 20th Sunday after Pentecost, comes from the prophet Isaiah, the 25th chapter. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well aged wine, of rich food full of marrow, of aged wine well refined. And he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will command his angels concerning you. To guard you in all your words. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is me, bless his holy name. The epistle reading comes from Paul's letter to the church in Philippi, the fourth chapter. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. If there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. And this is the Word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel, which serves as the text of our sermon this morning, comes to us according to St. Matthew, the 22nd chapter. Again, Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son, and sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast. But they would not come. Again, he sent other servants, saying, Tell those who are invited, See, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention and went off And those servants went out into the roads and gathered all whom they found, both bad and good. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to look at the guests, he saw there a man who had no wedding garment. And he said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, Bind him hand and foot and cast him into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. This is the Gospel of our Lord. Grace to you, O Christ. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. During this season after Pentecost, we have a string over the last few weeks of parables that Jesus used. Stories that he would tell people in order to expand upon the greater truths of heaven. Do you remember this parable from long ago? Parables are meant to stick with you. They use imagery that help to clarify and solidify the teaching. A story that's memorable can be retold easily. Something that you can relate to that helps get to a deeper truth. Did you ever hear this particular parable about the wedding feast in Sunday school or maybe remember it from the readings from years ago? Let me ask you this. Did the ending of this parable ever bother you at all? I mean, knowing what we know from the rest of the Bible, it's easy enough to understand the first part of the parable. God, of course, is the king. He has prepared this grand, lavish feast He has invited his people. And his people, the Israelites, they decide that they don't want it. They rejected God's invitation, scorning God's word, killing his prophets, abusing those who came to speak his word. And so God then also called the Gentiles, those who supposedly didn't deserve to be at the feast. And many of them came to take part in God's gracious gifts of eternal life. The feast is laid out not just for a handful of people who thought that they were worthy, but it was laid out for all, and all people are called and invited. That part of the parable is pretty straightforward, isn't it? But what about the last part? What's up with the guy who gets thrown out of the party that he was invited to because he's wearing the wrong clothes? It's always bothered me when the king comes and asks him, Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? Because when you look at this parable, what exactly did the master expect of his guest? Remember, this is not one of the people who was invited, who had months' notice, who had taken time off of work and had made travel plans. This was a guy who was invited from the highway at the last minute. The master sent out his servants and said, Go to the main roads, the thoroughfares, not even just the local people. Go out where all the travelers, wherever they may be coming from, and bring in everybody, good and bad. Tell them there is a feast and you are welcome to come to it. And so this guy, who is now at the wedding feast probably was not planning on going to a wedding. He probably had not packed any wedding clothes, most likely had not brought a toaster to give to the lucky couple either. And so why is the master upset? It seems a little bit unreasonable, doesn't it? I remember back at our wedding. Everyone looked so nice, all dressed up, My long-haired friends had their hair pulled back for the most part, had put on their fanciest earrings. And then I looked out, and there was our friend, Jan, in a T-shirt and jeans, grubby as any day of the week. And I have to admit, I was kind of upset about that. I mean, couldn't he at least have tried to look nice Didn't he care that this was kind of a really big day in our lives? Why was he dressed like that? But then I discovered the rest of the story. It turns out that he had not been able to get that day off of work. And he had actually finished working in Minneapolis, done his shift, hopped straight into his car, and driven down to Marshalltown in order to be at the wedding on time. It was that important to him. And he was actually more concerned about not missing our big event than he was about getting all gussied up like everyone else. He didn't want to take the time to stop and change clothes for fear of missing even one minute of our big day. So again, we look back at this parable and we ask, why is the king upset? Why is he so angry that this guy, who wasn't expecting to be at an event, wasn't planning for it, is not dressed properly? It seems a little extreme. Well, many of Jesus' parables, they're absolutely timeless. The parable of the lost sheep, the prodigal son, the sower scattering seed. All of these are images that can be used in pretty much any culture at any time, and the beautiful meaning is going to shine through. It doesn't take a lot of cultural understanding to get what is going on. But this one, to understand this parable, we do have to understand a simple fact about the culture of the day. I had another friend who was getting married. I got the invitation, and I was very excited. And He asked me to be the best man, and I was thrilled about it. And then I realized, I've got to rent the tuxedo. That's going to set me back about 80 bucks, which at the time, of course, was huge money. You see, that wasn't the case at the time of this parable. The wedding garments... For those involved in the party, the bridesmaids, the groomsmen, even the guests, all of it was provided by the one throwing the party. It was not the obligation of the guest to find nice clothes, rather it was the obligation of the host to provide those who were invited with a wedding garment. The host gave everything. The master had all these sets of clothing that he had paid for, that he was providing. Every single person that was brought in off of the highway was given the clothing that was meant for those who were specifically invited. It was given to them. Celebrating such a joyous occasion, the king had bought clothes for everyone. Providing exactly what was needed for all of his guests even if they weren't actually expecting to be there. And so to be at the feast without the provided clothes, that was to show great disdain for the one who gave the gift of the garment. It says, you know what, I'm doing it my way and you can't make me do it your way. It says, what I have right now is better than what you're giving to me, and you should just be honored that I'm even here. It says, I don't need your gift, and I don't want what you're giving. This man, he wasn't thrown out because he doesn't happen to have the proper outfit packed in his suitcase. He's thrown out because he has been given that outfit And he refuses to wear it. When the king confronts him, notice the man is speechless. He's got no excuse. He can't claim, I didn't have a wedding garment, or how was I supposed to know about it? It was given to him. Everybody knew that. He had been brought into the feast unexpectedly as a gift. The wedding garment itself had been given to him as a gift. And so his refusal to wear it was simply disdain for the gifts that he had been given. That's why he was cast out. That's why the king was so outraged. He had done everything, and this man simply refused it. In the same way, God himself provides the whole world with his robe of righteousness, God, our heavenly king, has called to the entire world, summoning all people to his joyous banquet. He is the one who has prepared the feast. He is the one who gives it as a free gift. It's not just for a select few that he has invited and sent personalized calligraphy notes to, and they know for months and months in advance that now is the day when Jesus will come. From the very beginning, God's promise of salvation and forgiveness was for all people. And the invitation continues to be for all people. He is the one who provides every single person with the proper garment, that precious robe of righteousness. He has given it to all people by the cross of Jesus Christ. The death that Jesus died to sin, he died for all mankind. Every single sin was paid for in full by the blood of Jesus Christ. His atoning sacrifice was sufficient to cover every single transgression committed from Adam and Eve to the very end of time. He has given all people the robe of righteousness. He covers up our sinful lives with the righteousness that he won upon the cross. It's not a matter of accepting it, as so many people teach today. It is a gift. It has been given. It is yours because God is gracious and good. And he calls to all people, good and bad, which is lucky because we are all very, very bad. God's word is available in all places. It is proclaimed to the entire world. He calls out to all people at all times, boldly proclaiming that all people are invited to his feast. Now sadly, there are those who reject the gift, those who choose not to wear it, those who show disdain for what God has done for them. These are the ones who cling to their sin, who value the ways of the world, above the ways of God. Maybe they follow a false religion and say, this God is better and gives me better gifts. Maybe they claim no religion at all and say, we have no need of an imaginary friend in the sky because we are people and we have good shiny toys. Maybe they even claim to be Christian but just refuse to live out God's word, reveling in the sins of the world instead and exchanging the gift of God for the trash of the world. Just as the other guests surely must have asked this guy what in the world he was doing and encouraged him to put on the garment, we as Christians, we cry out a warning to unbelievers, to those who are trapped in the lies of the devil. We too say, God has given us something so good. Why would you trade that for the world? You don't want to be tossed out. But sadly, many still refuse still reject that gift that God has given to them. And for them, in the end, there will be no joy. No matter how fervent their beliefs, no matter how dyed in the wool and dedicated they are to whatever their wrong beliefs might be, they are thrown out of the wedding feast into the outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. They have rejected the gift of God and chosen for themselves death and eternal condemnation. (coughs) But for those who wear the robe in faith, those who recognize that God has given us everything, the joyous banquet will have no end. It is the same banquet that was described in our Old Testament reading, a reading so often used at funerals as we celebrate Christ's victory over death. It is a banquet of eternal joy. No more sorrow, no more death, no more pain or sin or suffering or anxiety or worry or political campaigns or terror or temptation or anything that this world fills our lives with. It is pure joy of being in the presence of God. We say, let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. We are brought to the banquet by God's holy word. We are clothed in His robe of righteousness. He has done it all for us. That robe, it's not our good deeds. It's not anything we've prepared. It's not anything that we've done. Instead, the robe is a free gift from God. The robe of righteousness that covers all of our sin makes us, in His eyes, holy, innocent, and righteous, worthy to be at that table for all eternity, despite our sin. As we are clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ himself. Won for us by his death upon the cross. Delivered to us by his word and his sacraments. Applied to us by the faith that he himself has worked in our broken, rebellious hearts. Proclaimed to the entire world as we speak God's free word of grace, forgiveness, and salvation in everything that we do. God himself has done it all, and we simply reap the eternal rewards that he so graciously gives to us. Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? It might seem like a disturbing, insensitive question if we're thinking that banquet was like one of our weddings today. But when we understand the parable better, we realize the deeper truth. How did he get in without a wedding garment? He didn't. The garment had been given to him freely. It was his. But out of spite, out of foolishness, or simply out of a lack of faith, this wretched man had refused to put it on, had spurned the generosity of the king. He rejected the gracious gift, and for that he is cast out into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth forever. We, too, are called to the banquet called in off the highways and the roads, lifted out of our common and sinful ways, and made honored guests at the table of God himself. We need not provide our own robe of righteousness because nothing that we can do is nearly good enough for a banquet like this. Instead, it has been given to us as a free and undeserved gift, the robe of righteousness that only God can provide. It was won upon the cross when God himself died for us. It is given to us each and every day by his word and his sacraments. And as we remain in his word, hearing that precious gospel message, living it out in our lives, we rejoice at his heavenly feast. We rejoice that death has been swallowed up forever, that we have been united with Jesus Christ in his resurrection, so that we know we too shall rise We know that all of our sins have been wiped away and all the tears from our faces. We (laughs) rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice, for our sins have been forgiven. Our guilt has been taken away. We have been dressed in Christ's own robe of righteousness, and we have been brought to that heavenly banquet for all eternity as a free and completely undeserved gift. For by the cross of Jesus Christ alone, by his empty tomb alone, you are forgiven of every one of your sins, and eternal life in heaven is yours. To God alone be all glory, now and forever. Amen.